Howdy y'all, Asha Hawksworth here, and today we're going to talk about woo-woo. But before we get to the real deal, let's discuss how rednecks handle any kind of spirituality. Most rednecks are evangelicals, which basically means Southern Baptist, even if they're not officially Southern Baptists. These are the mainstream Protestant Jesus freaks who assume that everyone else in America believes what they believe. And if they don't, it's because they're Democrats. To the right of mainstream evangelicals are the old school Pentecostals, also known as spirit-filled churches, where you will find the snake handlers and the really bad speaking in tongues, which, if it were real, would scare the living shit out of the congregation. Today, Pentecostals are moderate in comparison with some evangelicals, when I was a kid, evangelicals sent their children to public schools. That is no longer the case. Nowadays, devout parents sequester their kids at evangelical schools where they say pledges to both the American flag and the Christian flag. The curriculum contains no secular texts or music and absolutely no evolution. These children are properly brainwashed in the politics and dogma that best pleases those in charge, who are often hyper-controlling narcissists with a sex addiction on the side. Women have zero power and are encouraged to pump out babies like an assembly line, the better to provide more small brains for brainwashing. Cults like Quiverful and People of Praise, as well as the broader umbrella of Dominionism, are good examples of this new far-right thought. For people like this, A Handmaid's Tale sounds like a good start. On the relative left, we have the Methodists who in my day were the sleepy evangelicals in that they were devout without being constantly in your face about it. Nowadays, they're probably burning crosses and wearing MAGA hats like everybody else. There are Catholics in the South but they're all going to hell. There are also Jews in the South and they're expected to secure Jerusalem for Jesus who will then return and send those unrepentant bastards to the fiery pit. Some rednecks want to send them there sooner rather than later because they have no patience. Evangelicals don't drink in front of each other. Evangelicals are also the only people who are going to heaven where they will bore themselves silly, singing eternal praises to the most narcissistic deity in the universe. The rest of us will be in hell where the company is mighty fine. Evangelicals are also highly competitive. They're absolutely convinced that they are the most blessed and beloved child of God, and they will somersault their way through every conversation to prove verbally that this is so. For example, evangelicals get Jesus points for mentioning their Lord as frequently as possible. I had such a bad day yesterday, what with little Jerry breaking his tooth on that Coke bottle and big Jerry banging up his motorcycle on the dirt road, but thank the Lord, everything worked out all right in the end. We're so blessed, praise Jesus. And really, I ain't got nothing to complain about except for my lupus, but I know the Lord has a plan. Evangelicals also get Jesus points by walking through the church doors every time that they open. This typically involves an hour of Sunday school on Sunday mornings, 
followed by an hour or more of actual morning service. Sunday evening service is also a must, as is Wednesday prayer meeting. If there's a revival going on, which can happen as often as quarterly, you're expected to basically live there for the duration. The church will also ensure that there are numerous other events and opportunities for Jesus points, particularly for the young, who need to be thoroughly indoctrinated into the cult by ensuring that they have no actual life outside of the cult. Rest assured that this includes an evangelical version of every pop culture manifestation that they can reasonably be expected to imagine, such as Christian rock groups that do not actually rock, extremely bad white Christian rap, and Christian ballads so boring and repetitive that even Michael Bolton would beg for mercy. Dirt poor evangelicals have no trouble believing that they are this close to being millionaires because their megachurch pastor told them that God would shower them with wealth if they tithed it very, very generously. Evangelicals are horrified by bare female skin, discussion of sex or any other bodily function, and all secular, that is non-Christian, entertainment. Evangelicals are scared of socialism, except for the socialism that they take for granted each day, such as social security, fire departments, and Medicare. Evangelicals these days are afraid of public education because now it's all integrated and the occasional heathen makes a big stink about praying in schools and sometimes they won't even teach creationism, which is the truth with a capital T. If they can't rely on schools to brainwash their kids, then by Gemini, they will put them in an unregulated Christian private school where they can do it themselves. My cousin who attended public schools and got a degree in teaching that she has never used, married a fellow zealot and proceeded to have seven children in a row. She said this was because they didn't believe in birth control. If God wanted them to have kids, then by golly, she would have kids. She never said anything about the brain God supposedly gifted her with. She declared her intention to homeschool all of these children, which she occasionally did, when she wasn't too exhausted from looking after them and feeding them pancakes all day. These were chores she did alone while her godly husband fought holy wars in the Middle East so that we could have cheap oil. If you wonder why Americans have bought into conspiracy theories and are sure the earth is flat, her story may provide a few clues. There are some things that evangelicals don't have a problem with, though. Men having sex is never a problem. Ideally, this will be with their wives. If it turns out to be with a mistress, an employee, a student, or children of any age, though, it is incumbent upon these men to issue an apology that is heartfelt, tearful, and references God's forgiveness. These men are then permitted to go on about their business. Anyone who may have helped them sin, whether willingly or not, are dutifully shunned, ignored, and hopefully settled with out of court. Now, I hope this little introduction to evangelical spirituality was helpful. Remember, you can direct thoughts and questions to redneck lesbian 2020 at gmail.com. On a side note, 
My mother attended the mother of seven's wedding. She told me that they were both barefoot for the ceremony to show their submissiveness to the Lord or some such shit. Instead of the wedding march, though, the bride approached the altar to the tune of joy to the world. And my first thought was, Jeremiah was a bullfrog? <sighs> oh, well. Our family enjoys a good horror film, and if it has a strong supernatural element, all the better. For one thing, it's entertaining. For another, depending on the subject matter, and if it's well done, it can be useful as spiritual instruction. And this is my little reminder that what some would call woo-woo is a big part of my life. So let's discuss. We recently watched The Conjuring movies, which are loosely based on true stories from the work of Ed and Lorraine Warren. They were a married couple who investigated supernatural phenomena and helped people who were plagued by bad hauntings and demonic activity. They were Catholic, so they came at this from a Catholic perspective. Now, before I jump into the deep end, let me first just say that the world is full of skeptics and they're entitled to their skepticism. Some people will never be convinced and will go out of their way to disprove any manifestation of the supernatural because let's face it, that shit is scary. Atheism is its own path and that's fine. I am not talking to those people. Now, the specific details of the stories portrayed in these movies are not the issue either. The spiritually informative piece is that beings of light are real and so are beings of darkness. Demonic possession can and does occur, and it's pretty bad when it happens. The Warrens sometimes refer to this activity as satanic, but I prefer the word demonic because it's not specific to a particular religious viewpoint and is much easier to say than unevolved lower dimensional beings. On the flip side of all this, fundamentalist control freaks sometimes accuse people of being possessed by demons simply because the accused won't behave. And that is abusive. In fact, a lot of the conversation around these sorts of occurrences can be skewed in malevolent and abusive ways. Movies like The Conjuring, The Exorcist, and The Omen can be made and are profitable precisely because they're good advertising for the Catholic Church. They quietly present Catholicism as the arbiter of good in a world of evil Satanism. Since Christianity is a dominant religion in this country, this Manichaean narrative flies pretty well. Although all evangelicals are still certain that Catholics are going to hell and vice versa. Alas, this narrative doesn't fit our spiritual reality, which is far more nuanced. The most recent movie in the franchise, The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, features a human villain, a female follower of Satan who made a bargain with a demon. Although unstated, the implication is that all witches with pentagrams on their altars are necessarily following the will of the horned one and that Jesus is required to stop them. And the Warrens may have believed this, but the truth is that everyone, regardless of beliefs, performs magic largely unconsciously. It is precisely this lack of consciousness that causes many people to perform black magic. 
The practitioner in the film could just as easily have performed white magic, as many modern witches do, but she consciously chose another path. And there are people like her in the world, black magicians who willfully cause a lot of harm in their pursuit of power. And there may be practitioners who work in between light and dark. There are many magicians mentioned throughout our history, from Merlin to John Dee to King Solomon. Although the Bible mentions the Acts of Solomon, that book is not present in the Bible. I'm sure the church burned every copy it could find. King Solomon was renowned for summoning and enslaving demons, and it is even said that he used demons to build his temple. How much of this is true? Well, we may never know, but there is a branch of magic in the Jewish tradition that Solomon undoubtedly understood and used, Kabbalah. It's still in use today, and most followers use Kabbalah for white magic and protection. But that's the thing. Every spiritual tradition includes people who use it for good, white magic, and people who use it for ill, black magic, including Christianity. As portrayed in the Conjuring movies, the Warrens are using their religious tradition as white magic. The cross in itself has no power over demons, but the intent with which a person uses that symbol does. Basically, if the person using the symbol believes it has that power, then it has that power. Also, Christianity is not the only tradition that has performed exorcisms. Hindus, Muslims, and many kinds of shamanic traditions have also done this work. The Catholic Church has no monopoly here, although it has practiced magic for centuries. What else is a mass if not an extended magic ritual? They even summon Christ onto the altar. And that, my friends, is magic. Prayer is also magic, a form of incantation. The more that a person uses emotional energy in the prayer, the more powerful it is. Unfortunately, that's not always a good thing. People tend to pray for what they want and what they think is right, even if it's harmful to the object of their prayer. For example, praying the gay away may make Christians feel better about their faith, such as it is, but it's not good for the person they're targeting. This is black magic. If you're sensitive to and aware of the energy around you, you can detect when someone is sending harm your way. Psychic attacks often manifest as moodiness or physical pain. For example, I can tell when my evangelical family has been praying for me because the energy they send alters my mood or results in neck and shoulder pain or even stomach pain if it's severe enough. I call on Archangel Michael to help me clear it and then I'm fine. No doubt my parents and cousins are disappointed that their prayers haven't been answered yet, that I would leave my wife and return to the abusive fold, but it never occurs to them that maybe God doesn't give a shit about what they think is best for me. So they keep working their black magic and I keep clearing my aura. The fact that people wander the earth mindlessly conducting magic without any knowledge of what they're doing is how demonic entities get into this realm to start with. The Warrens use Christian descriptions in their books, but the message is still a good one. Be careful what you summon. 
Fervent prayers are not always answered by a beneficent deity, particularly if you neglect to clarify whom you're asking. Demons aren't nice and they will lie and disguise themselves to achieve their goal. And for God's sake, never play with a Ouija board. It's not a game. Neither is a book of spells, particularly if you haven't been properly taught how to use them. These are tools that can be used for white magic, but ignorance unwittingly turns them into tools of darkness. The world is very much a spiritual place full of all kinds of marvelous beings. Although evangelicals love to talk about spiritual warfare, what they fail to see is that much of the time they are fighting on the wrong side. One could even say that by fighting at all, they are lost. Darkness, the demonic, whatever you choose to call it, thrives on fear, conflict, and chaos, and illusion is its favorite tool. It is so easy to delude those who are convinced that they are right and those who are fearful of the world. Many Christian sects have long histories of saying one thing and doing another. The people who say, save yourself for marriage, will turn around and sexually abuse anyone in their path. The people who urge you to turn away from secular society makes deals and attends parties with secular society. The people who decry abortion and will buy one for their mistress at the earliest opportunity what is the point of their hypocritical brainwashing? Power and control over others. Black magic. The wolf in sheep's clothing appears in every flock. Often the wolf is the shepherd. The burden is on the sheep to recognize it. And that can be hard because the toxic elements will overwhelm you with so much love and attention that you will conflate the feeling with a God of light. You will think this must be the right place because I feel so welcome and so loved. All abusers shower you with love to suck you in. Then when the abuse starts, you are conditioned to make excuses for it. It behooves anyone seeking a spiritual home to determine the nature of the God they are being asked to follow. There are several versions of God in the Bible alone. There's the God who says, I'm going to kill the firstborn sons and the firstborn animals to boot. And also, hey, Abraham, kill your son for me. Yes, really, do it. Do it now. <laughs> just kidding. You don't have to do it. I just wanted to see how loyal you were. There's also the God who has a bunch of Israelites carry the equivalent of his suitcase everywhere the Ark of the Covenant, but when a few of them stumble beneath the weight of it, he kills them with a hasty smite. This God is not as good guy. If his methods get more attention than the guy who said, love thy neighbor as thyself and do unto others as you would have them do unto you, then you might be in a place that prefers black magic to white. All traditions can point to examples of darkness within itself and also examples of light. A person can become a beacon of light and hope regardless of their faith. Likewise, a person can become an agent of evil regardless of their faith. The nature of duality is that we contain both things simultaneously, but everything rides on our choices. Do we choose fear and control or do we choose love?
The idea that picking the right theological team means that you're on the side of holiness needs to be chucked into the trash. There are many valid spiritual paths that can help you evolve, but there's also a great deal of darkness and dogma and religious straitjackets in many traditions. All too often, mankind invites the darkness while claiming it wants the light. And that is what we need to exercise. Thanks for listening, y'all. Like, share, follow, and I'll see you next time.